This is the Big Pond. Drive northwest from Washington, D.C. for about an hour, and you'll hit Frederick, Maryland, a quaint city of about 70,000 residents. Today, there are hip new coffee houses and antique stores popping up along colonial streets. Up on the hill from the main drag is the Maryland School for the Deaf. Most of the buildings there were constructed in the 1950s and 70s, but right in the middle, one building sticks out. It has a limestone exterior, and it looks really, really old. The building was um, funded in 1777 by the Maryland General Assembly and was completed by 1781. That's Chad Baker. I am the person that's responsible for taking care of the barracks and for its recent renovations that were just completed last year. Baker was also one time a principal at the School for the Deaf, and he starred a historic museum on the school property. And right next to this museum are the Hessian barracks. So if you want to know any history about the place, he's the person to talk to. As we stood outside the Hessian barracks, it occurred to me this looked nothing like a prison. The barracks were originally built to quarter U.S. military, not a prisoner of war camp. And what you see is the precursor to what I call the Holiday Inn look. It's a two-story building, and you'll notice if there's a window upstairs, there's a window downstairs. If there's a door upstairs, there's a door downstairs. And that pattern repeats. Window, door, door, window, window, door, door, window, window, door, door, wherever you look. Before we get more into the design and use of the barracks, first, a little history lesson. Think back to high school when you were studying the Revolutionary War. Remember George Washington crossing the Delaware on Christmas night for that surprise attack in Trenton? He actually wasn't attacking British soldiers, but rather a troop of Hessians, as any Washington reenactor will tell you. I have recently met with my council of war, and we have decided we are crossing again back into the Jersey and attacking the Hessian outpost in Trenton. You often hear these Hessians referred to as German mercenaries, soldiers paid by the British to fight Washington and his Continental Army. But their background is a bit more complex. At the time, the king of England is a Hanoverian king, which means he was not British, <laughs> literally, spoke German fluently. And his family background is from Hesse, Germany, as in Hessian soldiers. And they were actually paid by Germany, not by England, to come over and fight the war. So technically, they really are not mercenaries. It was more like a family affair. They were doing this for the, for the crown of England because it was German. And fight they did. It's estimated that 30,000 Hessians fought for the British during the Revolutionary War. Though they were defeated in the Battle of Trenton in 1776, they fought other major battles such as Saratoga and Yorktown. And after these skirmishes, the Continental Army needed a place to house these captured soldiers. So they turned to these barracks in Frederick, Maryland. It got federalized, if you will. Instead of housing Maryland militia, it turned into a POW camp. The first occupants that were POWs were actually the British after the Battle of Saratoga. And those were called conventioneers. They are eventually moved out of here. And the Hessians that were part of that battle that were captured, they stayed here in Frederick, but they stayed downtown. Then after the Battle of Yorktown, 
Um, all the German prisoners were brought up to Frederick and combined with the ones that were downtown, and the British were then moved over to York, Pennsylvania to be housed as prisoners there. So they all came here by design as prisoners of war. So what did the community of Frederick make of having hundreds of enemy soldiers being housed in their backyard? Well, for the most part, they liked it. We need to keep in mind that Frederick, Maryland, at this time of the Revolutionary War, is German-speaking, by and large. You can go to the store, you can go to the bank, and everybody is conducting business in German. You go to the pharmacy, it's in German. Religious services on Sundays, in German. So when the Germans came here, they could go anywhere they wanted. They could go downtown, they could go shopping, they could go work on the farm, as many did, and there was no language barrier. So they fit in quite nicely, and they brought a lot of money with them. That's right. These Hessians came with disposable incomes. Because the Germans were faithful to their soldiers. They paid them in gold and silver, even though they were prisoners. And the U.S. government did not get in the way of that money coming into Frederick. And, of course, then they spent it in the local businesses. So it was an economic driver for sure. <laughs> Fifteen to 1,700 prisoners all at once have gold and silver to spend. If this seems implausible that German prisoners of war were propping up the local economy while they were in detention, think back to those barracks. They were hardly what you'd call maximum security or even minimum security, really. The security when the British POWs were here was quite high. And in fact, there were a lot of clashes between the guards and the POWs. When they left, however, you would get kids 14, 15 years old. They were not in battle yet, and they were assigned to be the guards of the German soldiers. <laughs> so, yes, you could come in and out and walk freely all over town. And sometimes you came back at night, sometimes you didn't. And that's just because there was a lot more trust. Yes. Yeah. Trust and all kinds of liaisons are now happening uh, during this, the time they were here. And maybe almost antipathy, whereas with the British, where there was a, maybe a more stark contrast. I would say that would be quite true. You have a German-speaking community from the same part of Germany that these prisoners are coming in. They may be a generation or two older in terms of being in the United States, than these new Germans being brought in. But nonetheless, they still had the same fatherland. As Chad and I walked through the old barracks, I tried to imagine what it must have been like to have stayed there well over two centuries ago. It wasn't that hard. The building was in really good shape. We have original glass, original stone, original mortar, original plaster, <laughs> with horsehair still hanging out of it. Um, so there's... About 80% original uh, material in the building, and it is the only military installation extant from that period. In Maryland? In the United States. Oh, it's the only, in the whole United States? Wow. We walked into a musky old room that was about the size of a bedroom. Up in the rafters, I could see large exposed wooden beams. The walls were sealed with white plaster. If you can imagine, they had bunk beds that were three high, and it had three men on each level. So there were nine in one set of bunk beds and nine in the other. So in this room, which is seven steps by eight steps, you had 18 men. The only other thing of note in the room was a fireplace on the far wall. Chad showed me some of the other rooms. They all looked identical. Again, you have a door 
and a window and a fireplace to keep warm by. When you go to the second floor, it is the same thing all over again. You have a fireplace, a door, and a window, and that's it. Pretty austere, but there were some other options. Some soldiers chose to sleep outside, even in the winter. Others had better deals. If you had enough money and your rank was high enough, your family came with you. So there were at least eight German officers who lived in downtown Frederick with their wives and their children. And they also become part of the community here in Frederick. The whole arrangement only lasted about a year and a half, though. The Battle of Yorktown, where many of those Hessian POWs came from, was in October of 1781, and it marked the virtual end of the Revolutionary War. Two years later, at the Treaty of Paris, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and John Jay negotiated peace with Great Britain. The rebels have achieved the impossible. The United States the only country to win independence from the British in war. To learn more about what happened after that, I met up with local historian Tom Sherald. I'm a member of the Sons of American Revolution in Frederick County and uh, a member of a committee that is uh, studying the impact of the German-Hessian prisoners that were held here during the Revolutionary War. Sitting in a library in Frederick, he pulled out a history of the period and read to me what happened next. In March 1783, news of the end of hostilities received from Philadelphia. On the third day of the Easter holidays, there was a general celebration. Cannons firing all day, two city companies in Frederick, and the militia paraded with white flags with 13 stripes for the 13 colonials. Our American guard was withdrawn and we were left quite free. The American officers and gentlemen gave a great ball at 9 p.m. There were fireworks which cannoneers made, the whole town was illuminated, and there was a great fire of small arms. The day of departure from Frederick, 12th of May, 1783, greater numbers of the former prisoners of war, commonly known as Hessians, declared their preference to remain in America rather than returning home to Germany. Within seven years, the immigration, which had begun as a military arrangement between British and German sovereigns, became an opportunity for their subjects to participate in the democracy which they had been paid to oppose. And the trickle of desertions in Western Maryland, which had begun slowly in 1778, became a wave of fresh immigration into Frederick County and the newly formed Washington County. As for the Hessian barracks, they would go on to serve many other functions. A school, a museum, a place for storage. This all got me thinking. So if the Hessians were only here for a year and a half, why is it named the Hessian Barracks? Seems like it could have been called anything. Well, when you talk to people from Frederick who have been born and raised here, they always refer to it as the Hessian Barracks. When I speak to groups, I usually refer to it as the Frederick Town Barracks. That's what is in the legislation to create it. And um, But once the term Hessian Barracks took hold, it stayed. hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> I guess because it relates to the German history of Frederick, then there's maybe a certain pride in that. I would think. Oh, yes, definitely. And there are descendants um, still in the area who were fathered by prisoners, put it that way, their ancestors. You know, so they met a local farm girl and married her and then stayed local. And through generations, those, some of those families are still here in Frederick County. And this wasn't just a few guys getting hitched, says Tom Sherald. I have a list here. This is a list of gentlemen who who stayed and took brides, and it's 69 of them. 
married girls that were here in Frederick County already, and I have the names. As it turned out, some of those soldiers worshipped at Frederick's Evangelical Lutheran Church, located just down the road from the barracks on Church Street, of course. We were uh, founded by German immigrants, many who came through the Port of Philadelphia and then came down through uh, Maryland on their way to Shenandoah and never got that far. They ended up staying here in the Frederick County area and settled here. This is Marsha Hahn. A longtime member of this congregation and currently involved in various activities for preserving our history of our church. And she says the congregation has evolved over the centuries. We were a German-speaking congregation until well into the 1800s. We started to introduce English services around 1810, 1815, I want to say. But we kept a German service until well into the late 1880s. Because they're so old and have been around for so long, they actually have these amazing archives. We have our original parish record books that go back to the 1700s, and that included recording communions, and they always recorded, at that point, a separate German communion service. Marsha recently helped out Congregant Joanne Baum research her family roots. She can literally trace her family history in this congregation back five, did we get five or six generations back? Six generations back to her five times great-grandfather. As it turns out, she is a descendant of a Hessian. My Hessian ended up doing some work for a widow in Frederick, and he later married her, and he stayed. I did hear that his brother later came, and I also have learned over the years that the area that they're from in Germany, in Germany, looks a lot like here. So I think this kind of felt like home. And uh, the family's been here ever since. I'm the seventh generation of my family from this area. And, And one of my children still lives here. So it goes on and on. Apart from the Lutheran Church itself, there are still a few remnants of Frederick's German past visible today. There's a lot of German last names around here. My father could tell you whether you were from Middletown or Jefferson or Emmitsburg or Walkersville because there were big family clusters in those areas with the same names. Everyone also told me that a lot lives on in the food passed down from generation to generation. Slippery Popeye was actually one of my favorites. It was a German dish. People from here tend to eat pickled things. Sauerkraut is a German dish. My mother made kinklings or another word for them is fosnots, so on Shrove Tuesday. They're a raised donut that is deep fried. We even started a a new tradition years ago uh, called the Fosnock Follies, where folks in the congregation would show their talent uh, at a a very social evening. But, of course, the the main event was homemade Fosnocks. Have you been in the Fosnocks Follies? No. <laughs> we watched them from the audience, but I do have family members that have over the years been a, been a part, yes. And of course, there is Oktoberfest. This fall, Fredericks featured music from a band called The Continentals. The Continentals. I checked them out at the Old Stein Inn, a German beer hall near the Chesapeake Bay. Hansen, 
Mike Surratt is their leader. I'm a full-time musician, and it all started when my mother decided somebody had to play accordion in the family. My mother was very German, came over after World War II, married my dad, and voila, here I am. So I've been playing uh, accordion and German music all over the country since 1970. Mike told me how German music has evolved in the D.C. area. Well, back in the 1970s and 80s, the uh, German societies that were throwing dances and functions and festivals in the area, there was many, many of them. It was like at least a dozen in Washington. The societies and the social clubs and uh, basically have folded because they got old and they couldn't do it anymore. So nowadays, in the Washington area and Baltimore especially, they do have a couple of major festivals, and the Oktoberfest circuit is busy, busy. We still wear traditional lederhosen and bundhosen, and um, you can see us on a stage, and we're going to look very German. Along with traditional German ballads, they also mix in things like a polka version of Guns N' Roses. Because the American audience certainly knows who Guns N' Roses is, right? I mean, so we make a joke that we're getting ready to play Sweet Child of Mine as a polka, but we call it from Guns N' Edelweiss. If you go to the Oktoberfest in Germany today, it's really not about German music. It's about rock and roll. So even today in the D.C. area, German culture is still finding a way to blend in and mix into the fabric of American society. And just like with the Hessians centuries before, Today's German-Americans are happy to stir German traditions into America's big melting pot. And while they're at it, maybe top things off with a few Fosnocks. Even if you're only German for a few hours, we don't mind a bit. You come and be as German as you like. For The Big Pond... I'm Rob Sachs. Wunderbar Together. You've been listening to The Big Pod, a series of dialogues between Germans and Americans, coming to you from PRX and the Goethe Institute.